0: Filthy Henry, accidental legend, chapter seventeen. Knoll handed over his toenail clippings to the crone and watched with disgust as she tipped them into the bubbling contents of the cauldron. As the last one slipped into the green goop and disappeared from sight, a disturbing thought crossed his mind. The entire time they had been staying in the hovel, he had never once seen the cauldron emptied. Not once. Um, is that the stuff you've been feeding us at breakfast? Do you even wash it out between concoctions? "'Why would I wash the cauldron out?' Lauren said, stirring the goop with the large wooden spoon. "'Well, to change the stuff inside.' The crone stared into the bubbling liquid thoughtfully. "'Why? You've never complained about it before.' "'Well, I hadn't seen what your secret ingredient was before,' Gnoll said. He grimaced and felt a little bile rise in his throat. "'You told us it was porridge.' It'll put hairs on your chest, she said. But what happens to the hairs afterwards? How many clippings are in that? How long has this cauldron had the same goop in it? Lauren looked at him, a mischievous twinkle in her eye, and smiled. Well, you probably don't want to know that. Did you know that she's been feeding us that gunk? Noll asked Maeve as she came out from her bedroom. I mean, it's hardly worthy of a queen let alone me. I haven't been eating it, the Queen said. Trug has been getting me food each morning and bringing it back. Trug trudged into the hovel and went over to his spot, dropping onto the tree stump. They all turned and looked at him, then looked back at the bubbling cauldron. I'm not eating that stuff anymore, Nall said. I mean it. Maeve glared at him. She took a single step towards the short man, a move which sent a shiver down Noel's spine. You will do whatever the hell I tell you to do. Eat whatever the hell I tell you to. Until I get that bull, you do everything in your miserable life to help. Understood? Noll considered his options. They were definitely limited to single digits, and most likely a number lower than two. In fact, if it had been greater than zero, he would have been surprised. He thought about how many meals there were between now and the big battle with the champion. If he was smart, a few sneaky trips to the village with True for a burger could be managed around mealtime, avoiding the need completely to eat what was undoubtedly ancient nail-clipping soup. Understood, Noll replied. Good, Maeve said. Now get into the car. I want to actually see this bull that has been causing me so much trouble. Anger is a wonderful thing when it's under control. This is a slightly contradictory statement, since anger generally means a person has lost control of the logical part of their mind and given in to the animalistic side. They have gone and bludgeoned the object of their annoyance into the ground and moved on with their life. The trick to controlling your anger was focus. If you could focus your anger onto a single target, then it made the anger controlled to a degree. You were less likely to lash out at the wrong person by ensuring the right one suffered your full wrath. Controlled anger can give a person more speed to their movements. This, no doubt, is an evolutionary trait to help the angry individual reach their intended target as quickly as possible and commence with the bludgeoning. Carrying around vast amounts of anger, controlled or not, might cause unforeseen health issues for a person. So the body seemingly adjusted by giving an extra burst of energy allowing for almost inhuman levels of dexterity. Everyone wins, except for the person being bludgeoned, of course. Shelley had her anger tightly focused as she ran through the woods. Trees were dodged with ease. Small woodland creatures fled for their lives rather than be trampled underfoot. The odd bush was ran through rather than around, without causing any slowdown in pace. While the intended victim of Shelley's anger carried on ahead, totally oblivious to the impending doom that stalked him. She would not have had it any other way. The element of surprise made her anger seem all the more enjoyable. When Filthy Henry stopped running, the back of his head was going to get the biggest punch of his half-breed life. The fairy detective ran into a clearing came to a sudden stop, staring around the area. Shelley brought her right fist up and prepared to slam it into the back of his ginger head. As she jumped over a fallen log and entered the clearing, her anger suddenly vanished at the sight she beheld. It was like a bomb had gone off, a very precise and strange bomb. Clumps of grass and dirt had been thrown up into the air, with abandon and landed wherever the explosion had sent them. A deep, long furrow in the ground looked like a hyperactive mole had gone to town, without a care in the world. Leaves were fluttering about in the air, presumably belonging to the numerous trees that had been reduced to wood chippings. A lone sapling stood, untouched, in the centre of the clearing, adding a very surreal element to the scene of destruction. Shelley switched to her very vision on instinct and was surprised to see even more madness in the magical spectrum. Little white fires burned, some dying out as she watched around the edges of the furrow. There was a slight pulsing glow on certain parts of the destroyed trees, leftover magic from whatever had attacked the area. A few of the leaves were floating upwards instead of down to the ground, trails of magical smoke drifting from them. Beside her, Filthy Henry had his fairy vision on as well, the telltale blue glow around his eyes giving it away. Shelley knew that her fairy vision was less powerful than the fairy detectives and wondered what else he was able to see. Without saying a word, he walked over to some glowing wood fragments and picked one up. This was something bloody powerful, he said, pocketing the piece and looking around at the devastation. Really powerful. Despite wanting to give him her fully justified punch to the head, Shelley let Curiosity take her mental driving seat temporarily. What could have caused it? Filthy Henry shrugged his shoulders. I've no idea. Something tapping into magic it had no right to. Whatever it was came from a place of pure emotion. The dark ones, like anger or rage. Powerful emotions that burn in the pit of your stomach. Not like pure joy or happiness. Those would never cause this. This was the sort of magic I've never seen before. Shelley couldn't help herself. But you've used magic from the dark emotions before, right? Filthy Henry gave her a sideways look. He started to scratch at his right wrist. Sure, you know that. I took down Stoker when it looked like he'd killed you. Even now, Shelley was impressed that the fairy detective was keeping the lie going. Maybe in his head, if they never spoke about it, talked about how Shelley had actually in fact been killed, then it would just stop being a topic of conversation for them to have. The fairy detective examined the furrow in the earth. It ended suddenly beside the sapling. There was no damage beyond the deep impact site. Filthy Henry started to slowly walk back along the upturned earth until he reached the other end of the furrow. Shelley came over and examined the area with him. Instead of a deep hole in the ground, the start of the furrow had a little gradient, a gentle slope that went down into the dirt. So it started here? Shelley asked. Filthy Henry shook his head. No, I don't think so. It started up there, at the point of impact by the sapling. The it dragged back along the ground up to here. The energy, whatever it was, must have been building up in force and pressure the more compact it got. Meaning? Meaning, the furry detective paused, closing his eyes and causing the blue glow around them to intensify. That when it got to here, the source of the power was launched upwards, like a rocket. See, there. The branches in the upper boughs of those trees had been snapped as if something smashed into them. Plus, there are tiny bits of magic in the air, floating between the trees. He looked behind them, back into the trees. With deliberate steps, Filthy Henry backtracked out of the area and walked beneath them, following something in the air that only he could see. After a couple of minutes, he stopped at the foot of a large oak tree and looked up. Shelley joined him, staring upwards with great interest. There, nestled amongst the leaves and branches, lay an unconscious call. He was on a large branch with some smaller ones acting as a net around his arms and legs. Beside him the silver hurley stick hung, tangled in a collection of tiny branches and leaves. Well, that's good, Shelley said. Looks like he got the weapon working. Problem solved. Filthy Henry frowned, tucked his hands into his trench coat pockets and continued staring up at Cahill. No, he said. He didn't get it working. Something's wrong here. It's like he managed to make the stick. Short circuit. Well, how could you tell he didn't get it to do exactly what it meant to? He can just do that on the day and stop anybody from winning in combat against him, right? It's a magic curly stick, after all. At least he managed to make it do some magic. The fairy detective was slowly shaking his head from side to side. Then he shrugged. I think I might have made a little boo-boo here, he said, reaching over and scratching at his right wrist again, a little more intensely this time. Well, like what? We found the champion, we gave him the weapon, did our best to train him. He unlocked the magical item, and now can save the day. What boo-boo? Which is a ridiculous term for a grown man to use, by the way. Did he make? Also, what's up with your wrist? Did you touch some poison ivy? Filthy Henry, getting a final scratch in before he pulled down his sleeve again, looked at Shelley. I don't think we found the right guy. Cahill isn't the champion we should have been looking for. I really don't think you understand the situation, Maeve said. Oh, I understand just fine. It seems to me that the person who's having issues with the simple logic of the situation is yourself. No disrespect or anything. I mean, we're both speaking the invader's tongue, as my English teacher used to say. Yet it appears as if you don't grasp the words I'm using, Farmer Murphy said. Invader's tongue? Gnoll leaning close to Maeve's left ear. It's sort of a joke, he said since everyone in modern Ireland now speaks English. Remember, you're not speaking the same language as back in the old days. Maeve could feel a headache forming, right in the middle of her forehead. To her, males just came in varying degrees of annoying stupidity. Not a single one spoke sense or could be reasoned with. Most didn't even know their place in the world, unless their place in the world was to infuriate their betters. For the last half an hour they had been trying to reason with Farmer Murphy about giving up the bull, which rightfully belonged to Ireland's one true queen. Yet all the man seemed to care about was fame and fortune, neither of which he would have once Maeve brought the two bulls together. Maeve was no stranger to using her natural beauty and charm to get what she wanted from most people, especially men. While she had no intentions of giving this man the opportunity to enjoy her body, Maeve figured giving him the wrong idea, would at least have him lower his guard, leaving him wide open for a quick stabbing that removed him as an obstacle and prevented anybody else getting in her way. She looked at him as he leaned over the old rusty gate, chewing on a stalk of straw and grinning moronically at her. No, a word, they said, walking back down the lane towards the car. The short man followed her, stepping quickly to match her pace. When they were no longer within earshot of Farmer Murphy, Maeve held out her right hand. Give me your knife, the Queen said, moving so that she obscured Noll from the farmer's sight. Noll did as instructed, a trait that Maeve greatly appreciated in men in her employment. If only Noll did not complain as much about everything else he was asked to do, the short man could have been used as an example of the perfect servant. What's the plan exactly, my Queen? Maeve tucked the knife into her back jeans pocket. "'adjusting her top so that the material hung down and hid the blade from sight. "'She turned around and looked at the farmer, "'who was now resting with his back against the gate and staring into the field. "'Nothing that a queen should have to do, "'but something that will show the magical world I play by my own rules.' "'She walked slowly back towards the gate, "'gesturing for Gnoll to remain where he stood. "'With each step, "'Maeve made sure to put as much allure into her movements as possible. It had been nearly ten years since the day a lie had come into her father's fort to talk about crop trading. Ten years since a young woman had had to move in this exact hypnotic manner in order to catch a man's attention. Yet it was like riding a horse. Once you'd mastered it, you could always go back and do it again. As Maeve came closer to the gate, Farmer Murphy looked over at her, the straw dropping from his mouth. She smiled coyly at the farmer. When the gate was closer, the Queen reached out, running her fingers along the top bar, until they bumped into Farmer Murphy's elbow. Then slowly, she started to bring the tips up and down his exposed forearm. I'm sure, Maeve said, in as dreamy a tone as she knew how, that if you really thought about it, there might be something I could do to change your mind. Farmer Murphy quickly licked his lips and swallowed. His eyes had taken on that glazed look of desire Maeve had seen a thousand times before. This was proving to be too easy. Why she had even bothered getting Nolan Trug back was a mystery. All it would have taken was a personal visit, and Ireland would have had its rightful ruler days ago. The rules be damned. So hypothetically speaking, Farmer Murphy stammered, how long would you need the bull for? Mave continued to run her fingers lightly up his arm. "'until they went under the rolled-up sleeve of his shirt. "'Oh, just for a few hours. A day at the most. "'Then you'd have him right back. "'And I'd make sure you were fully reimbursed.' "'The smile that came to the farmer's lips "'may as well have been a noose tightening around his neck. "'Mave grinned as he unlocked the gate and opened it just wide enough "'for her to slip into the field.' Filthy Henry, Accidental Legend, is a novel by Derek Power. More Filthy Henry novels are available to buy on Amazon Kindle. Narration and music by Niall Milton. To keep up to date with episodes this season, why not subscribe or like or share? We'd really appreciate it.